You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. The views expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Tony, Bruce, and the Monty Man. That's right. Welcome aboard, all you happy, peppy, yummy people out there. <laughs> What's going down? Tony's here. Bruce is here. This is the great reality on the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. You can visit uh, our email address. If you'd like to send us an email at take12radio at comcast.net. And there are several ways to listen to this show. You can go to take12radio.com. Uh, type in the number 12 or the word, doesn't matter, take12radio.com, and you can click on the Listen Online button. Uh, that will start the show automatically, uh, or you can listen on the Watch Online button. That'll give you our YouTube version, or you can go to the Archives button. You can follow us on Podomatic. That's what we'd really like you to do is click on Podomatic, become a member of Podomatic. It's for fun, for free. They won't ever spam you. And uh, it helps with their demographics and all that kind of stuff. Bruce goes, I don't know what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, so that, that would help a great deal if you would become a member of Podomatic. And you will just be notified when a show updates. That's it. You can actually download our app on Podomatic as well for your smart device. There you go. Ba-da, ba-da, bing. I want to know about the introduction. What in the world is a bad banana with a dark, greasy peel? <laughs> well, that that's from um, um, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Mm. That is the, the famous, iconic song uh, um, that The Grinch sings. And that was just a piece of it. So you're just a bad banana with a greasy black peel, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> well... Actually, the person that sings that song was, I don't remember his name, but it's the same voice that did Tony the Tiger. What? Yeah, you, uh, you know that. Oh, yeah. That's I've got, I never yeah. got that growing up. Yeah, he's passed away. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds> pretty good. <laughs> Actually, it was terrible. I, I, I love Frosted Flakes. I do, too, and I, I really can't eat them. I can't eat them either. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why we love them so much. That probably is why we love them so much. Well, my yeah. cereal's never safe with Lucifer around. By the way, Lucifer is her cat, everybody. Oh, yeah. She's sorry. Not, I forget about she's that. She's not talking about the TV show <laughs> no. or the literal Lucifer. No, sorry. <laughs> my cereal's never safe with Lucifer around. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So if you, have a, uh, if you have a pet and you're trying to figure out what, uh, what creature from the realms of darkness you would like to name it, <laughs> just talk to Tony. Right. <laughs> uh, my... This is my dog, the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it doesn't help. My other cat's name's Martini, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Now we know how you got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, God makes each other interesting. We, we know the path. We do know the path. Yes. 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 So this week, uh, the keys to the kingdom, uh, pr- uh, primarily the, the last part of that chapter in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I believe starting with three o- page 304, it, uh, if you have that, yes, 304, um, what I'm going to be focusing on primarily is page 311. Uh, starting with the second paragraph on that page uh, to the end, and we're going to talk about that. But, uh, we're also going to give you a little history lesson about the author of uh, this wonderful story, The Keys to the Kingdom in the Big Book of AA. Uh, and uh, we, I, I put a question out there, what does the keys of the kingdom mean to you? And nobody responded. <laughs> They responded the week before. I noticed that. Yeah. You know, they responded the week before. So it just proof once again, again, when you put something up that's controversial, they come mm-hmm. out of the woodwork. When you put something up that maybe, you know, not as controversial, people just, nah, they mm-hmm. just click like, you know. Most people click like and they don't even read what they're, <laughs> click what they're reading or read what they're clicking or, or, or whatever. But that's all right. We're going to talk about this and hope you enjoy the show. I really, really do. Um, Tony, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, well, how was your week? Um, my week was great. Weekend, not so much, but I'm glad I'm here now. Did you have a hectic <laughs> weekend? A hectic, but some good, some bad, some indifferent. You know, life. Yeah. But. Yeah. Bruce, how was your week? My week? Yeah. Oh boy, I can't remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me about my weekend. How was your weekend? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah, I had my grandson with me. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. He's... Harlan. Yeah. Harlan. Yeah, we had him on the air here one day, remember? Yep. Aw. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's poor, poor kid was sneezing up a storm because <laughs> Christy, the studio cat, was running around here. And... Now, that oh, was the second time. He did oh, right. The time, yeah. yeah. But guy. he was actually on the air, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he's my joy. How old is he? He's, he's eight years old. Aw. Yeah, he's just where he can kind of like keep care of himself, and hmm. and he minds good, and he's got polite manners, and yeah, he's a good kid. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. Yes, indeedy. So, um, it's warming up mm-hmm. again. It's too warm for me. I'm a sixty-eight to seventy kind of guy, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Not my age. My <laughs> my temperature. <laughs> Uh, so let me ask you. Let me ask you guys a question. If uh, with 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 the um, the onslaught of right fighters who want their right to be under the influence of mind altering substances, i.e., marijuana, mm-hmm. you know, I want my right to be high in public, and uh, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you, I'm going to ask you first, Tony. If you if you knew that somebody was getting stoned and getting behind the wheel of a car, what would you? Oh, like watching him go in the car? Yeah. you. See, oh, yeah. I'd be like, uh, where's your keys? Okay. I have no problem saying that. What, what would you do, Bruce? If you know somebody was stoned out of their mind, and they're getting in their car and they're driving away. If I know they were stoned out of their mind, mm-hmm. and I couldn't stop them from doing it, I think I'd call the police. Oh, that's a good answer. Too. Yeah, me too. 
Me too. And I've asked several people, this, oh, no, 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 it's not the same as booze. I wouldn't call the police. I'm going, let me tell you something. Mm. You're, you're getting behind, you know, a weapon that weighs several tons. It's a weapon. And you're driving down the road and you're not in control of, 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 of your vehicle because you are under the influence of a mind-altering substance. You have no business being on the road. And I will call the police lickety-split. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you're split. when you're driving down the, the highway 13 miles an hour <laughs> because you're <laughs> so loaded, you don't know what's happening. Right. Don't you think that that's making a hindrance for every other driver that's on the road? Don't yeah. you think I, you're going to be upsetting some people? And you, you know, and it cause accidents to happen, endangering people. You bet. Yeah, I, that's the biggest one I hear. Oh, you know, we don't do that. We just, if we do anything, we slow down. Oh, brother, <laughs> it's that it's that way of thinking. Again, it's the thinking. Mm-hmm. It's like the suboxone, right? These people are taking it, and they say, well, "At least I'm not shooting heroin." But they're getting in their cars and they're driving around. Yeah. And they're loaded like a big dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's gone It's gone beyond weaning them off uh, opiates to actually being a maintenance drug to stay under the influence. That makes no sense. I know. And, and any treatment center that's worth its weight will wean the person off before yeah. they ever release them from treatment. Mm-hmm. And they don't? Oh, many don't. No. Oh, wow. Oh, no, no, no. I'm many just don't. sick about the whole thing. Yeah. They, all they've done is switched from, from methadone to this, and they say that this is a better way, but I don't believe it. Well, and you know, that you know, they say some people, it is it is help them get through their, their withdrawal. True. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, you know, it's, it makes it more comfortable for them to get, cause some, I know, because I've been through it. Opiate withdrawal is absolutely horrific. You you're not going to die, but you're going to feel like you're going to die. Okay. And anything that can help you get through that, I'm for it. But here's the deal. You, you ha- it, The purpose of it is to help you get through that. And when you're through that, you get off of it and you stop taking it. You don't continue to take it. They're, they're a, continuing to take it. And they're continuing to be prescribed. They're not it. continuing to take it. They're continuing being given it to them. Yeah, and then they they're take it. putting them on a maintenance program instead of a detox right, program. Exactly. And here's what I'm hearing, and it's just it's just blowing me out of the water. Well, at least I'm not shooting heroin. Yeah, they minimize but, it by saying that. But yeah, but you're loaded. Yeah, you know, right? That's and, and they go. Well, at least I'm not drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, at yeah. least I'm not taking pills. Yeah, I'm smoking pot and driving, but at least I'm not drinking and but driving. What are you doing? Exactly. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 See, it, it just that sort of thinking, you mm-hmm. know, is promoted, and it's okay, and uh, it's legal. Uh, it's all—it's just crazy. No, I'm—I'm I'm, uh, coming from a, the world of addicts and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, alcoholics, you know, drinkers, mm-hmm. and to be sitting here today and telling you that I have a really dim view of it all. Uh, there's a lot of people that be upset with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in society, we're, like, programmed nowadays to be like, it's not my problem. You know, don't see it, don't do yeah, anything. Yeah, don't see it. I don't see it. It's not yeah, there. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not yeah. My, my problem, so why should I do anything? The, sure. uh, a friend of mine who is it works in the mental health field who's also a pastor, 
uh, was walking down the street up in uh, the Portland area, I think it was, um, a few years back. Him and another another guy. And they're involved in, in ministry with helping mentally ill folks. And they were walking down the street. And this guy is talking to himself. You know, he was obviously had issues. Yeah. And he, he's talking to himself and walks past both of them. And my friend Mike said to his buddy, he says, did you see that guy? And his buddy said, what guy? Totally. Didn't even see didn't him. Didn't even. He looked at him. He saw him. He heard him. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. It didn't even cross his mind. And Mike said, that just broke my heart. What do you mean, what guy? You know, it, it's, it's, oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. So just because he was drugged up, he was invisible? <clears throat> Well, because he was talking, he was talking to himself, yeah. and, and so he thought, you know, he just kind of blocked him out. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing in this field helping the mentally ill, and you don't even yeah. recognize this guy walking down the street? You know, that's weird. I got a lot of issues. Oh, we got a lot of topics we could talk about today, <laughs> but we're going to talk about the keys to the kingdom and what that means to us, and uh, what it meant to uh, a gal, um, Sylvia K from Chicago. Um, here in just a few minutes. So we're going to take a first break, come back, do a little trivia, a little trivia today, and then to the topic. So don't go away. Serene Scene Magazine is published for individuals who are seeking knowledge, support, and hope. Addiction is a systemic problem, And the content of Serene Scene reflects the complexity of putting addiction into remission with special attention given to the loved ones of the addict. And now, here's Andrew Martin, Editor-in-Chief for Serene Scene. I'm Andrew Martin, creator of Serene Scene Magazine. The whole purpose of Serene Scene Magazine is to help people help themselves to a long-term quality lifestyle of recovery. Please have a look at some of the technological features that it has, the audio files, and the video files that are incorporated into the publication as well. I hope you have fun with it, and I hope there's something there for you. Serene Scene, a magazine for long-term healthy lifestyles of recovery. Visit www.serenescenemagazine.com and subscribe today. He's insane. He's a control freak. So, what's your point? It's the Monty Man at Take12Radio.com on your internet dial. And now, it's the Quiz of the Week. That's right, everybody. It's time for Take 12 Radio's Quiz of the Week, sponsored by that recovery magazine, the 12-Step Gazette. Visit their website at 12stepgazette.com. Now, here's the Monty Man. That's right. Me and my ego. <laughs> All right. Uh, this week, uh, Take 12 Trivia's Quiz of the Week is Cat Trivia. Cat, Yay. Cat. Cat Trivia. Bruce has got this blank look on his face like, please, I am not <laughs> participating. Cat Trivia, Bruce. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Meow. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Bruce is not impressed. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Here's At least the, it's a cat one. Here's number one. <laughs> a cat has how many whiskers on average? Here are your choices. How many whiskers? Eight, 12, 16, or 24? 24. 8, 12, 16, or 24, Bruce Whiskeries. I would think it would be 24, too. Yeah, you guys are right. It's 24. Now, um, you, would I know that? No. <laughs> I just was thinking it would probably quite a few. Yeah, yeah. Did you know, by the way, that if you cut a cat's whiskers um, short, they have a heck of a time maneuvering themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they'll bump into stuff. That's how they feel. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. It's like feelers. Yeah. <laughs> and this, please, and it somebody's going to go out there and do that. Don't do that. Don't do that to a poor cat. It's like mm-hmm. cutting their legs off. Don't do it. Right. Because I know somebody, some, there's, there's some sickos that listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> I so love you. I do like to put paper booties on, on their feet, though. Ever put a little... Little pieces of paper, and oh, I do tape. Yeah, put, or put little tape. And <laughs> they, they, and they walk. Like Why? <laughs> it's adorable. But if they have a fever, you put alcohol on their paws, and it reduces their fever. Yes, I've heard that too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what, what kind of alcohol? Oh, grand- oh no, grubbing oh, alcohol. Oh, granddad. Wild I'm turkey. on a roll today, aren't I? <laughs> First Lucifer, now alcohol. We're great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't name your cat Lucifer. Please don't. Leave. Okay. All right. Number two. Do cats have fewer teeth than dogs have or more? That's a good question. Do they have fewer teeth or do they have more teeth? I think they have more teeth, even though they got them little mouths because they're little teeny sharp things. Okay. Yeah, I'd say more. You say more? Okay. Well, sorry, guys. Oh. Uh, they have 30. Dogs have 42. Jesus. I knew that. Who counts these? Some. <laughs> Who names her cat Lucifer? Wait, wait. wait. <laughs> okay. Okay. Number three. Uh, which brain is the cat's brain most similar to? A dog's or a human's? Cut it out, will you? <laughs> I say humans because they're smart. My cats are, anyways. They outsmart me all the time. What do you think, Bruce? Humans or dogs? I think it'd be closer to a humans. You do? Well, you guys are right. <laughs> Yay! Boop, boop. Okay, here's number four. True or false? A cat standing in a still position can jump up to six times its own length. If you scare him. True or false? I say false. A cat can do what? If it's standing in a still position, it can jump up to six times its own length. It's a length. Like, ping! Oh, you bet they can. What do you think, Tony? I, I say, yeah. I'll go with Bruce on this yeah, one. Yeah, you guys are right. It can. Ooh. Indeed. <clears throat> There's something else. I'm going to try that when I get home. Our cat's almost 14 years old. It They're still... like a tarantula spider. Yeah. They're a trip. Christy's almost 14, and she can, from standing at the base of the fence, mm-hmm. and our fence out here is eight feet. Because the base of the fence can be on top of the fence in one leap. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even yeah, scurry up the true. side. It that's is, it is and amazing. She, and she's not running at it. Nope. Jumps. Stand still. Stand still. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay. What? Uh, here's your bonus. What's it called when a cat rubs the side of its head on you or your furniture? <coughs> oh. <laughs> oh. It's called headbutting. Okay. Here's, here's your choices. Is it beaning? Bunting 
rocking or tagging? Bunting. <coughs> Bruce? Tagging. You, tagging? Well, you're right. It is bunting. Bruce, sorry. Cats don't tag. Bruce. It sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for the quiz, quiz of the week. Joe, no, I'm going to tell you, I didn't know a solitary one of those, except I was making a very good guess on the whiskers. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean? because I, if, it, if it's a good guess and you get it right, you still get it right. So, yeah, right? but I had a pretty good idea about that, but the rest of it I didn't know about. Yeah. Cats are a trip. Right. They are definitely a trip. And by the way, I am a cat whisperer. It's, it's a, <laughs> are you really? You, did, you did a good job with the answers this time. I Usually did. some of them are so ridiculous, I can just brush them away. <laughs> They're true. <laughs> Oh. So this is what a cat whisperer does. Okay. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for the ridiculous trivia of Take 12 Radio. <clears throat> yes, indeedy. Every week. We'll be right back, right after this. Running around in the meetings, gobbling up gallons of bad coffee, flapping his gums wherever he can bring a smile to a hurting face. It's Slogan Man! We know cute little platitudes and sayings on the wall in 12-step meeting won't keep you sober, but they sure will make you think, consider, and even laugh your way through an otherwise crappy day. Can't wait to get to your home group to hear those slogans over and over and over and over again? No need to. Pick up a copy of the 12-Step Gazette and join the adventures of Slogan Man. Visit www.12stepgazette.com and subscribe today. Slogans and platitudes are no substitute for working the steps, but Slogan Man is very cool. All right, Bruce, who is that? That's your man, Bruce. Clyde? No, Sam. Oh, that's Sam Cook. That's Sam Cook. <laughs> Twisting the night away. Zippity two times. Zippity. I, I didn't get that. Usually I I hear him and my ears perk right up, but this time I I didn't get that. Yeah, you're still mm-hmm. depressed over cat trivia. No, I think uh, I was zoning. Were you zoning? Do you know that word? Zoning? zoning? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I was zoning. I was out there. I know zoning. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know you know could zone and not be zoned. <laughs> <laughs> zone. I'm zoned, dude. I'm so zoned. I'm zoned. Yeah, why, why when people get stoned do they go, uh, I am so stoned. Yeah. What, uh, what is that about? I mean, I did that. I was like, I am just, you don't understand. I tell my friend Larry, Larry, man, you just don't get it. I am really, really, really stoned. Well, then you get the stoner voice when you say it too. Right. Yeah. The gurgle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going, I know you've told me a hundred times. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, 
slogan, man. Okay, uh, The Keys of the Kingdom. This is the story in the third edition of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It was written by Sylvia Kay from Chicago, Illinois. Here's a little history, so bear with me. Uh, according to member list index cards, yes, they used to have those, member list index cards, um, kept by the Chicago group, Sylvia's date of sobriety was September 13th, 1939. Because of the many slips of Marty Mann, who was considered the first woman in AA, um, Sylvia may have been the first woman to achieve long-term sobriety. Sylvia was raised in a good environment with loving and conscientious parents and given every advantage, the best schools, summer camps, resorts, vacations, and travel. She had her first drink at 16 and loved what it did for her. Yes, I'll bet she did. (laughs) I loved what it did for me. Um, She was the product of the post-war prohibition era of the Roaring Twenties. That's the flappers. Um, She married at 20, had two children, and was divorced at 23. This gave her a good excuse to drink. By 25, she had developed into an alcoholic. She began making the rounds of the doctors in the hope that one of them might find a cure for her accumulating ailments, most of whom prescribed sedatives. That's what that was real common back then. They would give you sedatives. Between the ages of 25 and 30, she tried everything. She moved to Chicago thinking a new environment would help. She tried all sorts of things to control her drinking, the beer diet, the wine diet, timing, measuring, and spacing of drinks. Nothing, of course, worked. The next three years uh, saw her in sanitariums, once in a 10-day coma from which she very nearly died. She wanted to die, but had lost the courage to try. Killing herself, that is. For about one year prior to this time, there was one doctor who did not give up on her. He tried everything he could think of, including having her go to Mass every morning at 6 a.m. and performing the most uh, menial labor for his charity patients. Uh, This doctor apparently had the initiative, uh, or excuse me, intuitive knowledge that spirituality and helping others might be the answer. In the 19th, in the 1939, this doctor heard, I'm sorry, in 1939, this doctor heard of the book Alcoholics Anonymous and wrote to New York City for a copy. Um, by the way, they weren't on the bookshelves back then. You just couldn't go to a bookstore and get one. After reading it, he tucked it under his arm and called on Sylvia. That visit marked the turning point of her life. He must have studied the book carefully because he took its advice. He gave her the cold, hard facts about her condition and that she would either die of acute alcoholism, develop a wet brain, or have to be put away permanently. Then he told her of the handful of people in Akron and New York who seemed to have worked out a technique for arresting their alcoholism. He asked her to read the book and to talk with a man who had experienced success by using this plan. This man was Earl T. He's the author of uh, the story in the big book called He Sold Himself Short. Um, It's on page 309. Uh, Earl suggested the... Uh, she visit Akron. According to Bill W., she got off to a slow start there and may also have been a pill addict, of course. Uh, she took a lot of little white pills, which she claimed, and I just love this, were saccharin. <laughs> Isn't that us? Um, and no one could understand why she was so rubber-legged. A nurse was flown in, presumably from Chicago, to take care of her. Sylvia stayed two weeks at Clarence Snyder's home, 
Um, and that story is called uh, The Home Brewmaster. And Dorothy Snyder's home in Cleveland, she met Dr. Bob, who brought other AA men to meet her. Dorothy S. said that the men were only too willing to t- talk to her after they saw her. Sylvia was a glamorous divorcee, extremely good-looking and rich. That's why they were so eager to talk to her, by the way. <laughs> um, these attractions probably did not help her with the wives of the alcoholics, who were known on occasion to run women out. So you got to remember, back in those days, most meetings, women weren't even allowed in them. Mm. Um, after meeting Dr. Bob, she wanted to move to Akron, but this caused great concern after her presence threatened to dispute, uh, disrupt the whole group. Someone told her it would mean a great deal more if she'd just go back and help in Chicago. They just said, yeah, go away. We don't want you here. She went back to Chicago where she eventually got sober. She worked closely with Earl T and her personal secretary, Grace C, became the first secretary at the intergroup office in Chicago, the first in the country. Sylvia updated her story in the January 1969 issue of the AA Grapevine. She tells how busy her first 10 years were in AA, where, but how all this tremendous activity, typos there, uh, by bringing her into almost constant contact with other members, provided her with everything she most desperately needed to save her life. As she looked back, she realized this was the most uh, exciting and beautiful period of her life. When she wrote this update, Sylvia had been living in Saratosa, Florida, with her husband, Dr. Ed S., and was soon to celebrate their 18th wedding anniversary. He is an Alki too. This is what she says. And our lives have been enriched by our mutual faith and perseverance in the AA way of life. Through it, we have found a quality of happiness and serenity that we believe could not have been realized in any other way. Small wonder our gratitude shows no bounds. So that's a little history on on Sylvia. And uh, when I I share, when I'm asked to speak, um, I share this, and I shared it last week, and I'm going to share it again, but... I shared the uh, the last couple paragraphs of her story. Uh, her story is called The Keys of the Kingdom. And I've asked the listeners uh, to think about this and, and my co-host. What does is, what is having the keys to the kingdom mean to you? What, what is that for you? Um, this is what Sylvia writes. AA is not a plan for recovery that can be finished and done with. It is a way of life. And the challenge contained in its principles is great enough to keep any human being striving for as long as he lives. We do not, cannot outgrow this plan. As arrested alcoholics, we must have a program for living that allows for limitless expansion. Keeping one foot in front of the other is essential for maintaining our arrestment. Others may idle in a retrogressive groove without too much danger, but retrogressing can spell death for us. However, this isn't as rough as it sounds, as we do become grateful for the necessity that makes us toe the line. For we find that we are more than compensated for a a consistent effort by the countless dividends we receive. A complete change takes place in our approach to life. Where we used to run from responsibility, we find ourselves accepting it with gratitude that we can successfully shoulder it. Instead of wanting to escape some perplexing problem, we experience a thrill uh, of challenge and the opportunity it affords for another application of AA techniques. That would be the steps, by the way. And we find ourselves tackling it with surprising vigor. The last 15 years of my life have been rich and meaningful. I have had my share of problems, 
heartaches and disappointments because that is life. But also I have known a great deal of joy and a peace that is the handmaiden of an inner freedom. I have a wealth of friends and with my AA friends as unusual quality of uh, fellowship. For to these people I am truly related, first through mutual pain and despair and later through mutual objectives and newfound faith and hope. And as the years go by, working together, sharing our experience with one another, and also sharing a mutual trust, understanding, and love, without strings, without obligations, we acquire relationships that are unique and priceless. There is no more aloneness with that awful ache so deep in the heart of every alcoholic that nothing before could ever reach it. That ache is gone and never need return again. Now, there is a sense of belonging, of being wanted and needed and loved. In return for a bottle and a hangover, we have been given the keys of the kingdom. I love that last part. So, in reading about her, and I was looking at some old manuscripts as well, um, this was a woman of faith, and she mentions it twice in her story uh, about faith and the fellowship. She does just say the fellowship. Um, she said that, that she had a complete change. So what's that like for you guys? I mean... I'll share later what possessing the keys to the kingdom is for me. What's that for you guys? Who wants to start? Go ahead, Bruce. Well, I think that we're talking about alcoholics and out of us. The keys to the kingdom are the steps. You know, mm-hmm. and if I was talking about something other than than AA, mm-hmm. you know, and I was talking about the church, I'd be talking about accepting Christ. Okay. Mm-hmm would be the keys to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. He is the key. He is the way, the truth, mm-hmm. and the light. You know, and I think that what the steps did for me on a personal level was it <clears throat> gave me my first step into humility. Mm-hmm. You know, that first step was the very first step of humility that I've ever taken besides humiliation. I'm talking about humbleness. You know, right? And then they, it grew from there. For I could approach God with a different attitude. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, to cry out for help. It allowed me to look at myself instead of other people. You know, for the first time, mm-hmm. I think this is the keys to the kingdom because it's I recognized my need for God, and I had a way to approach Him. Yeah, that I never had before. And it's just turned my life upside down. Right. And I want everybody to know about it. You know. Yeah. And it's just like they talk about this mining for gold. You can't shut me up about it. <laughs> you know, it just it amazes me. Well, I want you to know. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just a method. It's not the it's not the end. It's the spirituality that it's based in is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. My spiritual condition has everything to do with my sobriety. Okay? And that's what it is. It's based on that and nothing else. Mm-hmm. But my but my spiritual condition is based on my relationship with God. Yeah. See, it's God that shows me how to have the fellowship. Right. 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 He's the one right. that gives me the fellowship of the Spirit. Right. That is true. See, so to leave him out, to not to say that the keys to the kingdom is his, and the keys to his kingdom. Right. Mm. 
Yeah. But since it's AA, I think it's the steps. They were the path by which I took to have this relationship. They were the keys that opened that door. You bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony. Well, and uh, I agree with Bruce, the, the steps. But I think it also, it, to me, um, it also means, like, we're so shut down and so isolated when we drink. Um, and making so many mistakes, it just unlocks like a whole new sense of you. It unlocks the, the, the chains that, um, been holding you a prisoner to yourself. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you actually can start feeling like a real person for others and giving to people and, um, helping others and doing what you're supposed to do every day to stay spiritually fit. Like Bruce said as well. Yeah. Um, which include God, my God, um, but also to help other people and reach your hand down in that dark hole that you've been there before mm-hmm. and to try to help them up, mm-hmm. um, using the steps and the tools that I've yeah. learned throughout yeah. the years. Yeah. <clears throat> this uh, this author, if uh, folks, if you read her, her full story, she was really lonely, mm-hmm. really, really lonely. I was reading a post on Facebook the other day <clears throat> from a fellow member who has really been struggling with this whole idea of being alone, uh, even in the midst of tons of people. And, uh, you know, that aloneness that she, that she talks about, you know, there's no more feeling of aloneness. Mm-hmm. I think what she found, even though she was in the midst of all these people, is the author found a relationship with God that took away that awful ache of aloneness. And I do think it was the process of the steps. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- so this is really interesting because uh, in my story, I was doing all sorts of things that that were actually good. Um, they were r- right. They were good. They were proper and all that stuff. And I still couldn't stop drinking. Mm. And until I actually sat down and went through this step process with my sponsor, it didn't move from my head to my heart until that happened. Um, and for me, they, they too were the keys to the kingdom. And the kingdom for me is experiencing part of his kingdom here on earth now. Yeah. I, I think a lot of us, especially people of faith, were waiting for this great, thing to happen when Jesus returns and we're taken to his kingdom. And I think we miss out on the reality that we can experience some of that today, that there is a new freedom, that there is a a no more loneliness that we can experience with God coming alongside of us and carrying us down this road that we call trudging the road to happy destiny, Mm -hmm. trudging simply meaning walking with purpose for the first time in my life. Um, and uh, so now when I feel alone, you know, I can lean on the truth, the truth that I'm not alone because the creator of the, and that blows my mind. The creator of the entire universe is with me mm-hmm. through through this whole thing. And I think, Bruce, I think you're right. I think in, in, in the in the in in the um, the thought of this book, the AA big book, she is talking about the steps directly. Um, but I think she's talking about her newfound freedom in her fellowship with her fellow man mm-hmm. and in her faith. Because she says faith, um, you know, her faith and her fellows both. Mm-hmm. And I think 
if we're doing this the way the book lays it out and we're truly willing to follow directions, I believe that God will make himself known to us and we will have a fellowship with people that we never had before and we will have a fellowship with God that we never had before, maybe for the first time that we ever had. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that are super spiritual, I'll just put it that way, that don't fellowship with anybody. Right? They're always right. on their high tower. Yeah. You know, and they're lacking in experiencing the keys of the kingdom, in my opinion. Then there's people that that know this stuff backwards and forwards, but they do not have a relationship with the creator. And they're lacking in the keys. Of the, and they, they know the steps. They know every yep. key. Yeah. They have it in their hand and they can't pass through that door for one reason or another. It's crazy. Well, and I don't get that part because... It should go hand. Well, to me, in my program, it goes hand in hand. I need my faith and my steps together. Right. To be able to stay not only sober, but spiritually fit. Because it's what the book yeah. says. Right? Or am I wrong on that? No. Okay. I, I, I'm the same way. Okay. I mean, the steps were a method. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. then I can teach that to somebody else because I've done it. But... A method to what? Well, according to the book, it's it's a method to show us our need for God and then to help us develop a relationship with God. True, Bruce? True. Yeah, because I think it's the humility part going to him, you know, because God raises the humble and resists the prideful. Right. And we're prideful, egocentric people. Mm-hmm. See, this is the, the part that's, that uh, was exposed about me was this selfish and self-centeredness, this desire to please myself, mm. you see. Yeah. When that was, was exposed to me and I seen that and that I wasn't going to be able to change my own human nature, uh, God become very precious to me, very desirable at that point. So I sought him with everything I had within me. And step 11 is about growing in that conscious contact with him mm-hmm. to perfect and enlarge your spiritual life. Exactly. Because your sobriety is contingent upon that and not your service work. Right. Your service work is an outflow of your gratitude for what God has done for you. Right. It's not the treatment for alcoholism. No. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> and we're teaching that, though, in a lot of rooms, that service work is the treatment for your illness. Mm-hmm. It's I, not. Well, I hear, her, I hear her saying it goes hand in hand with her, is what Tony is talking yes. about. You know, that without God, she wouldn't have this. Exactly. Right. You see? Yeah. Right. And it's an outpour, mm-hmm. is what she's. I think she's describing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's vitally important for us to see that we can use the service work and we can use the steps and we can use our sponsors uh, and become dependent upon that instead of God. Yeah. This is about becoming God-dependent, about having a spiritual life. It's not real spiritual to sit in a room and tell people how you used to drink and laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, that's a nice thing. Yeah. Make me feel good. Make you laugh, make you yeah, feel good. But yeah. it's it's not spiritual. Mm-hmm. It's secular. Mm-hmm. There's your secular life and your spiritual life. And what we're trying to do is grow spiritually 
and set this aside. That's right. all we're trying to do if you, and that there's a big process for this. But this is what we want to do. And then that'll have everything to do with your beliefs and your values and your conduct. Say, and you'll change from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think she. I think uh, Sylvia in this story is also, is also making a strong f, uh, a, a strong appeal to people to uh, to help them understand that we can't do this thing by ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't know about. I've known people that just say it's just me and God, man. Just me and God. You know, I, I don't need any process. I don't need any program. I don't need anything. It's just me and God. And some of these guys, they know the Bible backwards and forwards. They could even quote the big book backwards and forwards, but they can't stay sober. And yet they're saying it's just me and God. I don't get that. I don't think they're putting their whole into it, honestly. Yeah. I think it's a cop out. I think it's a cop out, too. And I mean, don't get me wrong, service work is great because that did help me become spiritually fit because I was more involved. Right. Instead of just sitting there in a chair or, you know, whatever. I I did service work and that helped me get to where I am now. So it is kind of, I think, um, I didn't want to, you know, I don't think it's a, de- a bad thing doing service work. But right. you have to want to learn the whole program, not what you can just piece together to make it your own yeah there's there's a that's it's a good thing you said that because i like to explain that if i can i hope i can Mm -hmm. there's a big difference between doing service work and being dependent upon that and doing the service work because what god has has given done for you exactly exactly it's it's absolutely totally different and i'm telling you i constantly I'm aware of the fact that I'm out there doing service work mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it because it's God's plan. I'm doing it because it makes me feel good or uh, those type of things. And I have to say to myself, am I really doing uh, a self-centered program or is it an altruistic? Good point. Right, because then it's yeah. not really being of service. That's right. If it you really want something out of it. To God and my fellows. Mm-hmm. To God and my fellows, mm-hmm. yes, I, right. So I, I have to just check myself, and I, I ask God to help me do better. I don't have to do but it just mm-hmm. that. Help me be better, because I'm constantly falls short of the mark. Oh yeah, you know, but it's it's really it's a good thing because that's who we are. See, don't you understand? That's mm-hmm. that's. Mm-hmm. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the selfish and self-centeredness runs that deep. Yeah. It that's does run deep. deep. Yep. It does run deep. <laughs> deep. Deep. And I don't think nor- normies, or, well, I'm sorry, non-drinkers, normies, whatever you call it, don't get that as we, we're very selfish people when we're drinking and using, but we're even more selfish now that we're sober because mm-hmm. we need to be. And I think they take that word out of contents. It's not selfish because we don't want to hear what you have to say or we don't want to hear your point of view, but we're trying to work a program and get healthy to be. So we can be a maximum service. Exactly. To God and our fellows. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I hear that all the time. Why do you call it a selfish program? Well, because it kind of is. I'm not doing it for you're, you. You're I'm being, doing it for me. But yeah, I think what you're saying is that that you have to work on yourself if exactly. you're going to be selfless. Yes. You know, and so we have to call ourselves under um the this these disciplines mm-hmm. the steps yeah 
we call ourselves under the the, the accountability of of our God, uh, allow people to speak into our lives, even if they're mistaken, but give them that permission, uh, have that accountability, have have that working relationship with other people. Um, but our dependence needs to be 100% on, it's like, I don't, I'll listen to you, but I'm not trusting you. I'm trusting God to work through you. Exactly. And as long as I keep that focus, then, then I, my focus is kept mm-hmm. well. But we've talked about it a million times on this show. When we start relying on other people for our solution and not the solution giver, God, then we're just relying on other people. And and you're rely- and if you're relying on other people and I'm relying on other people, we got a lot of people reliance yeah. going on, and it ain't working. Yeah, and if we're relying upon our ability to do step work or our ability to do service work, well, then we're actually relying upon ourselves. That's right. You say in our ability to do so, it's real hard to transfer our our dependence from ourselves to a God dependence mm-hmm. because we have to grow in the trust of that belief. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Right. And to do that, we have to place ourselves in his hands. Definitely. See? So that's why I start people out by asking them to pray for the willingness. And if it comes, they give God the credit or to put their self in God's hands when they're, they're in fear and see if the moment they put their self in his hands, they don't start to outgrow that fear. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So you learn to do those things, and then you grow in your trust. Mm-hmm. And then you go more and more and more. And then you see the wonderment of what this is all about. And okay. and trust is a big thing, because I think that's when I finally started to grow, um, not only spiritually, but like really get into my step work is when I learned I can trust these people in these rooms because I, I think it takes a while for the new person. It takes a couple of years for them to trust because they can, it's just that it, it was my thing. It was hard for me to trust people because I've been hurt by other people, but I also hurt others too. So yeah, it's like when I first came in, I'm like, okay, what's your motive? But that's just me. I'm not saying that's everybody else, mm. but I think once yeah. I learned it's okay to trust these people, they're not going to hurt me. And that's when I started really growing. It took a couple of years, yeah. but I got there. They, yeah. Um, one of the things that she says in here that, that we, we've touched on before, uh, she, she talks about how um, at first she found a fellowship of people based on the, the common malady that was going on. Mm-hmm. And then... The solution. And I think so many times we forget that. We're like, well, I'm around all these people that are sick just like me. Sick, sick, sick. Blah, blah, blah. You yeah. know, like that. And we forget, wait a minute. But it also says we have a common solution. And it also says in the book, of, of which we can absolutely agree. absolutely agree. I wish we did absolutely agree. <laughs> um, but if you're going by the way this book's lined out, if that's what you're doing, you're not doing your own thing. Exactly. You know, then we can absolutely agree on what that common solution is. Mm-hmm. And that's building a relationship with our creator. That's what that solution is all about. And we have a lot of people running around the rooms that understand the problem, but not the solution. I would, I would venture to say that it wasn't until I did the steps mm-hmm. and had God in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was trying to build that spiritual life. Yeah. You know, with him that, 
I was able to start to trust people in the fellowship. Exactly. See, it was him that showed me how to have the kind of fellowship that I've always craved. Mm -hmm. It's called the fellowship of the Spirit. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. So that has to come first. But what we want to do is reverse the process. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about the fellowship. First. We want to talk about the spirit and, of the fellowship, and yeah, not the fellowship and, and of the spirit, want, right? And we want to show how we we're doing this. We're doing. See, it goes back to the human resources that we've always depended upon, yeah. and we've always looked to. Right? Where's God in this? Mm-hmm. See, and mm-hmm. if we don't know one another like we do, and we know that that we're coming from a, a different place, well, then we won't have this thing, right? Right. You know, it says we'll be bound together like we never was before. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I, know, I know that's true. No, it's <laughs> very true. And very she, true. she closes her, her story by, we've been given the keys to the kingdom. Uh-huh. By who? By God. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I loved listening to the old um, <laughs> the old speaker tapes from um, when... They were first made. I can't even think of what they're. But uh, we Joe used to do a, huh? Joe and Charlie. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, that that old school raw AA. Oh my God, I love it. I love <laughs> it. I wish we would do it again in our group, but I, I love that. You know what she knows? What I can, I pick up on immediately when she says that. Who's that? See, this is a gift. Well, like people say, work, work, work. How you work for? How can it be a gift? Yeah. You see what I mean? It is a gift, and what the problem is, we don't know how to open up and receive it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's called grace. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, listen, you guys, we are we are out of time. Already? Um, yeah, already. Oh, wow. Believe it or not. As <laughs> quick as hour. So Sylvia was, she felt very alone. That's because Bonnie wouldn't stop reading. <laughs> That's true. Sylvia felt very alone, and many of you out there feel very alone, especially if you're a chronic relapser. We talked about chronic relapsers mm-hmm. um, and uh, on, our, on our last show. Um, and, and let me tell you, the enemy of your soul will beat you up like nobody's business when you make mistakes, when you deliberately go off the rails, whatever it is. He will just tear you up and mm-hmm. tear you down. And you will not feel like that you want your heart to beat again. You just, you, you'll just feel so, solely defeated. And uh, I'm here to tell you that, uh, listen, as long as you're sucking air, there's hope. There's hope in hopelessness. Uh, and so if you're one of the people that uh, are out there, like a letter I got this last week uh, from somebody who's a chronic relapser that is just ready to give up. They are just so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I want you to listen to this song by Danny Gokey. I've got to tell you, this is my story. This really is. And it probably, it, many of you are going to relate to this. This song is called Tell Your Heart to Beat Again.
thousand pieces on the floor And words fall short in times like these But this world drives you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you they used to be Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and breathe it in Let the shadows fall away Step into the light of grace Yesterday is a closing door You don't live there anymore Say goodbye to where you've been And tell your heart to beat again Let that word wash over you It's alright now Love's healing hands have pulled you through So get back up, take step one Leave the darkness, feel the sun Cause your story's far from over And your journey's just begun Tell your heart to be Goki, tell your heart to beat again. Until next broadcast, we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of Take 12 Recovery Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs>